Oh my goodness, I've lost my notes. Uh, I've also forgotten how to do this after my holiday in Cape Town. But uh, yes, I guess, again, I always have to assume we have a listener. So welcome back to episode four of uh, our Star Trek rewatch podcast, where we this week we watched Phage. Um, and Jenny, all I remember is that you were very not looking forward to watching this episode. So I'm sure we're going to find out a bit more because you're like, uh, disgusting. <laughs> yeah. I agree with that. Although this one was less disgusting than I, I, I think perhaps the phage and and the aliens associated with come back in later episodes yes. and get more uh, disgusting. So I this one wasn't too bad. I think I remember once when I was like a teenager or something when this was first out on TV, seeing it and being like, "That's really sort of scabby." When I saw some of the characters in it, yeah, as a kid, I would definitely been traumatized. Yeah, it's it's like a nightmare horror movie scenario. Like there's these aliens yeah. that come and harvest your organs and they can do it without even, you know, they just transport them out of your body. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to show myself it's really shallow, but actually the bit that to me was horrifying was just their faces look like they're melting. Yeah, oh, I mean, yeah. Uh, well, let's, uh, well, let's get, really into get into it. Should really get into it rather but, than so just sort of a poor innocent species facial features. Yeah. Are you and ready I'm to give us a... Uh, are you ready to give us your one-minute summary? Yes, I was. Uh, am I going to do that now? Yes, please. <laughs> so I was sort of trying and trying and trying to write something, but instead, oh. um, all I could write was quotation marks. Neelix is an art liability. Number one cross. Number two cross. Number three cross, and then is really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> so that was Neelix's story arc. Is that what you're saying? That that was Neelix's story arc, this one. And I feel that that story arc is the story arc of this episode from the perspective of someone who finds his character very annoying. And thinks, I lo- go for it. I'm so if surprised. If you're going to say that he's the that character so that reminds hatred. you most of me. No, he reminds me most of my friend Tammy, which I explained, I think, last time. But I would think that you would like Neelix, so... I'm sure I'd like him if I met him in person. Okay. I just find him really annoying as a TV series. Oh, I have well, the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think he'd annoy me in, in person if you yes. had to sort of be around him a lot. But as a character on a TV show, you think, oh, he's just so positive and kind-hearted. <laughs> I agree. Mm. Um, before we dive in, because I, I have made some notes, as I said earlier, I was a bit That's hungover, so maybe I made less notes. So this might be quicker. <laughs> might might be better. But um, you know, they like so the opening scene I think was like the captain's log, um, uh, where she's where we find out they're running low on dilithium and they're on their way to a rogue planet uh, to yeah. kind of ease the power shortage. But she gives the date. Do you ever pay attention to the dates they give in Star Trek? No. no. I, mean, okay, I, mean, I can't follow them. Neither can I. But like, I find that really frustrating, though, throughout, I because I, whenever they knock time off yeah. into some, like, something that helps yes. them, I always want an update on how much closer they are because I can never work, work it out. Um, and I always found that quite frustrating because you can get in your head a visual of how much closer they were to home each time yeah i just i can't i can't process it and so yeah i'm exactly the same i just kind of mm. ignore it i didn't even write it down i was like maybe i'll try like rewind write it down so i can talk about it in more detail and i was like i can't be bothered <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i don't understand but then i guess um so we have that intro so we understand yeah you know uh, what's mm. happening um I, yeah ask a question like, I, and I absolutely love it because there's, there's that bit where Janeway is describing the most delicious sounding brunch ever. Oh, yes. And, oh, it's a Chakotay, I think it is. Yeah. And then they go off and like, well, but actually we're going to have ration packs. 
Can I ask a question with one word? Replicators? Yeah, that's but they're low on power, so they can't. I think use. Oh, is that how it works? You need that's enough power. That's what the dilithium is for. Yeah, so yeah. They're, they're being careful because they're running out of dilithium for energy, so that they're having the okay. ration packs. No, no worries. No, <laughs> yeah, that was my. Because I was also like, uh, you know, because sometimes I'm not always paying attention at the beginning, or there's like exposition. And I was like, why? And then I, I mean, I think that's mm. I agree with Jenny, but they're also discussing. Um, like something about like refining dilithium, like if they get to a planet, how they're going to refine it. And Bellana's come up with a plan that's obviously a very badass. Plan. Yeah, badass good word. I was going to say anti Starfleet, but I like the word badass. Mm. <laughs> My brain wasn't really working, so I said anti Starfleet. Um, then uh, we then I think the next scene is quite funny. Uh, Janeway enters her private dining room. As we later find out, and it's just like steam and fire and Neelix. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was my Neelix as a liability one moment. Okay, that's the first time he's a liability. Yeah, I mean, first take over the captain's pers- private room, second set it on fire. So maybe that was not. But anyway, carry on. No, no, I mean, <laughs> and that's all. In, this is like in the morning pre breakfast. <laughs> yeah. if, if I was Janeway, I would have murdered him by then. <laughs> you know, no breakfast, no coffee. I mean grumpy enough as it is and then yeah so there's a possibility no, that really can't point. even get coffee but i think yeah jenny like it's i totally forgot that she's on her way to have breakfast no i mean i would have also murdered him at this point <laughs> when i before i like knew the neelix character so well this kind of would have also grated on me like he didn't get approval he doesn't ask for permission he's just <laughs> but you know i'm, I'm a rule follower i'm not like neelix uh, but <laughs> Um, it is very funny uh, that uh, Janeway's. And I, there's also a part of me that like Jane that Janeway's. She's not super upset, but I'm like, I feel like she should immediately see why it's a good idea. But she's like my private dining room, which I don't think is like very, <laughs> yeah. in keeping with her character too much. But she's still very yeah. like. Maybe that's just, part of her growth through the yeah. series. Well, no, no, just you know, more naturally open to new and creative ideas. Just because yeah. uh, you know, at the start she's very strict Starfleet, but throughout she has to kind of bend the rules a bit, doesn't she? So. Yeah, that's true. Um, next, I think Janeway gets summoned to the bridge by Chakotay, uh, and she takes Neelix with her because I think they've found a planet. Are they coming on a planet? Uh, M class oh, M- planet. Is it possibly one that Neelix himself has suggested? No, no, she does ask lifting. him specifically to go yeah. with it because he's mm. the one that told them about this planet. So yeah, yeah, or this it. area yeah. or something. Just wanted um, to give him credit where it's due. He's the one who found this planet with uh, allegedly dilithium. Yes, good of you to give him credit. Um, and I did like his <laughs> Jamie's building up for like a massive character assassination. <laughs> yes. It's like um, I'll just I'll just warm up by throwing him some bones, and then I'm gonna just attack. I mean, I just wouldn't want our viewers to feel that I wasn't committed to impartiality and credit where it's due. <laughs> a lot of Fuck credit which. for someone who hates someone so much in such a short space of time. <laughs> uh, but I do like his line where he says something like, uh, "A few dilithium engineers." He knows of a few dilithium engineers who would give three of their spinal columns, like to know about this. Um, <laughs> which I didn't actually think I realized at the time, but later on, I was like, "Oh, was that like a foreshadowing of like an organ?" Like they mentioned an, or- you know, like a spinal column. Ooh, yeah. hint, hinting then, without anyone knowing what's going to happen. 
when they're in that sure. room and yeah, two is cataloging those organs. I was like, ah, oh, maybe that was a little, maybe not. There's, yeah, there's blatantly like a film techie mm. term for that kind of thing, which if yeah. I knew anything about TV or film, then I would know. Free shadow. <laughs> yeah, so that sounds good. Let's go with that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it just it didn't occur to me when I saw it, but later on, I was like, oh, wait a minute. Also, because I like that line. And this is when Janeway orders the way version and uh, Neelix just assumes that he's clean. Yeah, I know. That, that was Linux, Neelix's liability too. Okay, number two. I feel like I should make some notes about the time. Uh, can I can I also like call out the fact that if we sent found them a planet which is allegedly full of dilithium, but isn't, and is in fact full of, <laughs> and I'm not going to give away the plot for our, our listeners until they uh, get to the appropriate bit, but full of what it's possibly full of. Does that count as Le- Neelix is not a liability three? I mean, has no. he ever actually delivered? I'm not sure. <laughs> no, no, I would be the first to criticize Felix. I mean, I would be. But to be fair, he did. It seems like he made an, a standard uh, mistake there that most people would make because it wasn't it showing on their little yeah, yeah. thingamajigs as I mean, it wasn't true. Yeah. Okay. So, um, but right. I think we can probably blame Neelix for other things. <laughs> oh, there will There's be opportunities. There. <laughs> there will be opportunities. Um, so the next scene, we're on a planet, uh, I think, with Chakotay, Harry Kim and Neelix. Yeah. And they're doing, yeah. I guess, some kind of geological survey. Yeah. And I have a little tidbit because I listened to the Delta Flyers podcast. <gasps> and um, these caves... Moments of patriotic silence in respect <laughs> for our greater podcast. I wish everyone could see us. Oh, you can see that I was doing the hand on the chest. Ah, hand on the chest. Yes, I agree. (laughs) Continue. Um, But they mentioned, I think that that cave set was actually from TNG. So that, like, so like that was just interesting, like tidbit of old TV history. TNG, amazing. Next generation. Ah. And then they used this cave set for like all, like for the rest of Voyager. And I feel like I remember that because I think it's lots of different. Episodes, they're like, oh, that's the same cave set, just dressed definitely. That's the same very, cave set. Stand, very standard uh, rock geology, uh, geochemistry in the. Uh... Yes, in fact, the one the one guy gets a bit annoyed that they don't try and make it look a bit more different. But anyway, but the, the second tidbit is apparently this cave set was on soundstage sixteen somewhere. I don't know where, yeah. but it was full of like feral cats. <gasps> yeah, well, they didn't say feral. I'm assuming feral, but like. Dozens of cats lived in this red. You can't just hear cat and assume feral. Well, they didn't sound like pet cats. Colony of cats and assume feral. A colony of cats. Non-cat colonies. A colony of cats. That's good. Oh, I don't understand. Is it? Is it not in a studio? This. Yes, it is. But (laughs) for some reason, there was like it's like a set built on top of like a pool or something, and because of this like underground pool, which I assume is not full of water, and they're actually using it, the cats like live in the underground bit of the set or something. <laughs> so it probably that's, stank as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, I feel like they do talk about it again, and that's exactly what they said. Oh, my goodness. Hang on. i got to find out about this cat star trick. You're not going to find that on the internet. you got to listen. you got to do the research to pull these tidbits. <laughs> if you well, do find something, fine, I'll Fine, fine. Okay, good. <laughs> but I don't like the fact I can't find anything. Then um, uh, Neelix is like kind of walking, and he keeps like moving away from. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, that was Neelix is a, uh, is a liability five. No three. Five. Five. 
We've we just said two. Up on five already. Oh. Well, I mean, first of all, he wanders away, so that's number four. Okay. And then almost immediately later, Tuvok, when, when he finds something that sounds vaguely menacing, Tuvok says, come back. And Elix goes, oh, it's just around this corner. I'll go around this corner and isolate yes. myself from you guys towards the thing. That's five. I think okay. he's very... Um, he's very... It, it, I'm surprised. At, um, is it Tuvok or Chakotay that's telling him? Chikoti. He tells him to come back like five times. And then and, and Elix just continues. And like, there's no... There's there's no sort of repercussions. Right? Like, I mean, there's none so of the get back here immediately. reaction of threatening violence that any reasonable person would have to Neelix at that point in time. <laughs> he has a liability there. I mean, he what? Uh, but yeah, yeah. And so you're you we're up to Neelix is a liability five. Okay, I'll update my notes. <laughs> I'm going to keep you accurate. Um, yeah. Yep. Then we have the the. I never know what to call it. Soundtrack, theme tune. I actually, I should know this. Uh, but then we were to... Oh, we're already... We're only on the... Yeah. <laughs> we've only started and we've already got five of Neelix's live. Well, it's like... Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Neelix is going to be like... Does, uh, who knows how many liabilities by then. But we return and they're still on the planet. And this is where they like actually realise they're struggling to find the, the dilithium. So it's coming up mm. on their senses or whatever. But also I get the impression... They find it. Yeah, they should be able to recognize it with their eyes because yeah. when Elix is like, it should be all around me. One of them says something like that. Yeah, because mm. their scanners are scanning the walls and they're like, we're reading dilithium, but there's no dilithium here. And it's the sort of scanner reading that Neelix gets of a really large dilithium formation that attracts him around the corner. <laughs> yeah. Continue. Your memory is brilliant, please. Oh, no, no. no. <laughs> I, I, um, so... They, they go around this passageway and then Neelix scans something and there's like this flicker as though they're changing dimension. And then this mm. cr- creature with, uh, who looks really shadowy and sinister steps out and Neelix tries to follow him and the creature vanishes and Neelix makes, um, I think Tuvok aware and Tuvok again lambasts him to come back. Um, and then Neelix is trying to find this creature, which is Neelix's liability six. Um, <laughs> and then the creature suddenly zaps him. Zap, yeah. And he looked pretty bad after that. Uh, he looks so pale when he's like yeah. convulsing on the floor. And well, you know. yes, because as as we'll find out, Red, what had happened to him? <laughs> yeah, that was that was pretty dramatic. So they beam uh, directly, well, back to the ship and directly to sick bay, and. Mm-hmm. Um, we find out that Neelix is, has gone into a coma or going into a coma, and the doctor can keep him stable for one hour, well, but no, then no, no, no. it's, it's, it's going to die because it's, it's it's worse because actually it, none of that that is all after. No, that's straight they away. Ask, they ask they ask the doctor what's wrong with him. He goes, he's had his lungs surgically removed and he's <laughs> going into a coma. Um, and then the doctor he has no lungs. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> well, what species is Neelix? Remind me. Talaxian. This Talaxian has no lungs. Is that normal? I just, I've just got this image of Dr. Spachemin going, you have no <laughs> way of knowing where the heart is on 30 Rock on this. Which is <laughs> irrelevant. Little 30 uh, Rock side note. The, the doctor proves his genius by slapping Tom Paris. <laughs> That's my favourite. Wait, wait, wait. That's weird. We have to... Oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, no, no. He... he, um, he he basically finds a way of stabilizing Neelix and getting them an hour of time with uh, what's the, what's the to, technical term for the solution? Um, 
Oh, I do. Well, I think oh, I he have gets my... his blood oxygenated. Um, yeah. But as the tension rises immediately after that, there's uh, Neelix's blood toxicity levels are rising as yes. um, the oxygen level goes down. But he, and, he can stabilize yeah, him for a bit. But the for main... an hour, 60 minutes. As I did say. And, the dramatic um... tension pushes storyline <laughs> forward. Red. The ticking clock. The ticking clock. That is a TV term. Uh, but the main thing is like he he won't survive unless they get his lungs back. So that kicks off the next mm. bit of action, which is mm. uh, Janeway ordering another uh, away mission back to the planet, mm. and she goes along. Mm. Um, uh, but you're right. They, at, the, at that point, there is a bit of sass between the Doctor and Tom Paris, which is always fun, which will culminate in that hilarious slap scene. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we first go back to the planet where they're trying to find... Um, the what the happened. hell has happened? Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, and they're exploring, and then we go back to the sick bay. And sorry, you're right. There's this uh, Neelix's cellular toxicity is rising. We're back mm. to the sassy doctor. Uh, Kez offers a lung, but the doctor's yeah. like, "No, that's that's not going to work. You're not compatible with telexia." Yeah, your your lung, he'll reject your lung. Yeah, and the doctor's like, say, not, I mean, not I've got to choice. say, I am quite surprised that by that point in the future they have not found a way to like, that's the current medical problem now. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, no, there's no way. I, I, I don't believe that, that they would have found a way to avoid. Like, I think it's called like, Jenny, graft we, versus have, host we have disease. no way of knowing if they've found a way of addressing the medical problem of a need for the plot to have a driver. <laughs> I, know, I know, but I just, no, but you, you're right. I, I think you're right. I, I believe in science. I think by that point yeah. they will have eradicated that problem and uh, you, we'll be able to, you know, all swap organs willy nilly. <laughs> <laughs> but yes uh, i think you're probably right i didn't think of that but that is a good point but th this is when the doctor comes up with an alternative plan which mm. is to use the transporter schematics i think to get the design yeah, of Neelix's so lungs and then create the holographic yeah. lungs and and tom parison says but holo holograms are just light light they they have absolutely no physical presence to which the doctor responds by turning around and <laughs> slapping him as hard as he possibly can Sorry. in the face. I'm trying um, to make slap sound. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's, nice! It's such a good slap because I don't I don't think it does seem to be as hard as he can. It's very controlled. Yeah. Yeah, it's very <laughs> and, like, then, and then the best wrong. thing about it is afterwards, it turns out he wasn't just doing it because he had offended <laughs> holograms, but because yeah. in fact he was making a point <laughs> to yes. show that you know he can you know as a hologram, uh, be solid mm. as well, which is exactly what the lungs will do. <laughs> so the, yeah, the whole scene is just brilliant. I love it. You're right. It's like very funny. And also it's a, like a really good, it demonstrates what they're talking about like so well. Like you're like, yeah. oh, okay, of course the lungs will work. But I have to like rewind because I wrote down that line um, that leads to the slat. The mm. slat? The slat. <laughs> and so I pause and like Kez's face is so funny because she's like looking at the doctor. She's like, what is he doing? Like she just acts, it's just very yeah. funny. Like she looks like horrified. And you know what? Again, I think they, they sort of cast Tom Paris as the asking a stupid question when in fact he's not <laughs> asking a stupid question. Yeah. But I would ask the same question. Like how can a holographic pair of lungs actually breathe Oxygen Again, into the, the you know, in and into the blood because they're the a future, In the some stage in the future, science will have given us a way of addressing the problem of someone asking a perfectly sensible question in a way that makes them look stupid in the interest of having a plot driver. <laughs> but <laughs> you're right. We'll address this. The 
this was like the third time it's happened. Like, the, and um, maybe that was by <laughs> design. He's a useful but, tool, Red. He's a useful tool. <laughs> he speaks for the layperson, such as myself, or such as the. But um, yeah, I don't think he's ever commented that in the Delta Flyers podcast because he does sometimes think like, oh, I wish my character had been a bit different or whatever. But yeah, I, I think you're right. right. <laughs> it just seems like in the world of Star Trek, it's sort, sort of like. Um, don't don't ask questions. <laughs> you're, you'll either get told you're stupid or slapped. <laughs> Slightly uh, frightening. So, you know, that one with the time travel, whatever, when you ask like a really sensible question. Anyway. Um, uh, so the doctors come up with this good plan, but Kez wants to know the risks. And that is when we find out that if he goes ahead, uh, the kind of major side effect is that mm. Neelix will have to stay perfectly still. Forever. I mean, yeah. he'll be alive. And, Which, and in the holographic suite. So yes. not and only whereas sort of... most whereas most uh, people who have a you know, I think it's like locked in syndrome, for example, mm. um, they can still be trans you know, yeah. boarded around the place. So, you know, you could go and see a beautiful mm. sort of beach or forest and, yeah. and go places. So he's basically being kept in this tube that keeps him immobile and yeah. all he can do is move his you know? Yeah, but, but the tube also can't move. Like it has yeah. to stay in the holographic with mm-hmm. the, the hollow emitters and everything. Like so, it's like double, um, double yeah. awful, isn't it? I guess yeah. it's yeah. The, the medical equivalent nowadays of someone with like really serious um, immune lack yeah. of immune response, yeah. and so they just can't move anywhere. Like they have to stay in the. Oh, I mean, yeah. if if you are a member of the Starfleet crew, there. There is a silver lining to the situation that means that for the portion of time that the plot <laughs> demanded it, you could absolutely guarantee not being exposed to Neelix if you didn't want to be. <laughs> that is, that is, uh, that is, that is dark that's, that's really mean. dark and mean. And and I let us continue. But then we have that little scene uh, with Tom, like trying to, I guess, support Kez, uh, guide mm. Kez. He seems mm. to be keen to go ahead with, like, I mean, he's like, supports the idea. Yeah. And he's like, what do you think Neelix would want? But I like her line there because she's like, I'm not sure, but I do know I want him to live. Yeah. It's like very clear. Like, and it's clear that Tom Paris is being very there for her. Yeah. I think Neelix notices that. <laughs> he does when he's not in a coma. So we'll get to that. Oh, yeah, Neelix is still in a coma. Is he still in a coma at that stage? Yes, because they're still discussing the um, how to bring him back. So they haven't put the lungs oh, in. Okay. Um, so then we're back on that planet, and uh, yeah. um, they pick up a life sign um, mm. and set off in pursuit. There's yeah, don't some, they zap him as well? I was going to say laser fire. <laughs> yeah, phaser fire. Finger guns. Oh yeah, phaser fire. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't do the don't do the David Brent finger guns. <laughs> oh wow! Um, and uh, then Janeway gets a message from Chakotay back on the on Voyager mm. that an alien ship has just. Uh, run with, off, run off, and, and she's like and tracked and transported like, someone off there. Yeah, <laughs> so they beam back to Voyager and head off in pursuit. Mm. Um, and then we're back in the sick bay, and Tom is setting up the isotropic restraint. Does anyone want to explain what that is? Because <laughs> mm-hmm. a restraint of some kind, <laughs> yes. it restrains one in an isotropic manner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good job. Um, <laughs> Doctor activates. I like this because uh, it's a hologram. He calls it Program Neelix One because you know they always say like activate uh, Irish Village Program or I don't know whatever you know like activate the Death Laser 
when they no when they're in the in the holodeck they um i don't know i just thought that was nice yeah. and consistent does, does like, anyone in any star trek episode ever come out with a line like activate the death ray no yes just Oh. <laughs> yes. Really? Absolutely, yes. There's a, there's a whole episode where they get like trapped in some kind of uh fake holograph graphic cartoon thing. Oh. <laughs> and the they have to pretend to be Well they, they have to pretend to be the characters and it's like from some kind of like night really old um, I think it is from Flash Gordon. They're they're playing characters in Flash Gordon. Yeah, it's something. Is yeah, either Flash Gordon or something really similar. Um, heard, yeah, and there's um, and Janeway pay, plays the love interest of the like evil. Yes. <laughs> activate the death ray. <laughs> activate the sonic death ray or something like that. That's a great memory because yeah, that's um, <laughs> doc, I can't. It's bugging me. I can't remember the name of that like character but we'll get there yeah me too is is the evil guy yeah yeah me too it's like on the tip of my tongue like, yeah. kinetica scarpetica i don't oh, know yeah yeah something like that doctor um maybe later, ah, later. we'll google it later <laughs> but yeah the doctor activates these holographic lungs they have to take him off the other thing that's i guess supporting him mm. there's a toxicity cellular toxicity toxicity that's rising but then it starts to Mm. And drop and he gasps so we're like um i think he's okay well for now mm. um mm. then we just find out from the captain's log that they're pursuing the ship but they're like evenly matched so no progress basically mm. <laughs> um and we're back in the sick bay wow there's a lot of sick bay time here mm. uh we find out the lungs are working perfectly but neelix is now like awake and asking questions so jamie yeah. are you ready to bash a man when he's down or to no. bash him when he's down <laughs> no. I'm ready to bash Neelix when he's down. Oh, that question is like, when when do I get out of this restraint? Or when do I get... Something like that. Well, my, well, my notes don't make a lot of sense, but someone says <sighs> indefinitely. Um, which I think he takes kind of well yeah, initially. He, he's kind of his usual yeah, upbeat self. I, I, I like the fact his response is a joke. To, yes. Well, I have to say, we need to address the ceiling issue. <laughs> the ceiling being hideous above him, apparently. Yes. That being all he can see. And then when he's like, some music would be nice, or better yet, are you programmed to sing to the doctor? Which again, Jenny, I was like, are they alluding to something in the something future? In the yeah, future. I thought that as well. Yeah. So. But, um, isn't this also where he um, he sees Tom talking to Kez? Yes. Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, again, Kez he was is... standing very close before. Like, I was like, "Wow, he's really close to her." And It would be really close in the real world, but in Star Trek world, yes. they all leer over each other and and touch each other on the shoulder with their their faces like two centimeters apart. There's no sp- personal space in Star Trek. You are 100 percent correct because again, on the Delta Flyer podcast, they mentioned this like a lot in the beginning, and it's not something I noticed when I was you know ever watching. Mm. It's just in this specific scene, and obviously there was he was supposed to be mm. extra close to kind of mm. give me like that like spark that jealousy, but um. Yeah, they're like, everyone is like a close talker or whatever, you know, like, um, but then they have to fit. Space Invader? They, they have to fit on the I screen. Really. So they have I, to yeah, like, I figured there was probably a bit of a camera reason, wasn't there? Yeah. Like, I, I didn't notice it at all, like, growing up watching no, it. No, definitely it's, not. Yeah. I don't know, maybe it's because of, like, the I, whole I think it's because of me, too. <laughs> yeah. You see, I, you I see agree, like, now. actually, a lot, a lot of the behaviours that we were, you know, used to were very creepy indeed. 
Well, it's, it's least, not, the women I'm do it too <laughs> in Star Trek. Let's, so let's okay. jump to what Neelix does next when um, he, he sees Tom talking to Kez, supportively, but yes, very close. Um, he uh, <laughs> accuses Parrot. Uh, he basically um, says, oh, so it's Tom now. And he accuses Paris of swooping in like a reptilian vulture. <laughs> and I had sort of a parenthesis of creepy Neelix next to that. Um, but then he sort of nobly says, no, I, I want you to be happy. You should just let me die. And I was like, he's gone from creepy to <laughs> noble no euthanasiac. He's going through all the emotions, isn't he? He's sort of like he's running through bubbles, the... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's all just a sort of weird Talaxian coping mechanism who's immediately in denial. So he goes mm. straight to the, the comedy value of getting, oh, look at the ceiling, it's so boring. And then straight through and denial then, into rage. And, and, then, and then, he's, then he's jealous and angry. And then there's and this sort of <laughs> morbid acceptance, I guess. <laughs> it's, a, it's a whirlwind of emotions with me. <laughs> he does. Mm-hmm. I agree. I mean, I think, uh, yeah, he was. Um, he went from kind of taking it stoically to jealousy to like self pity. Um, when he, you know, but Jamie, you're, you're forgetting his best line when he talks to his about uh, Tom Paris. He's just one big hormone walking around the ship. Did you not enjoy that? <laughs> I didn't think that was his best line, frankly. Oh, I thought you would like that line, but um, Kiss doesn't really put up with it, and she can kind of see through his like. Yeah. She realizes that he's like afraid of and also maybe deliberately trying to force her away from him so that she doesn't feel like oh. she's forced to be part of slash with him mm. um and then the doctor kicks her out of sick bay because it's mm. visiting hours are over <laughs> yeah. um this domestic is also over um then we're back on the bridge and learn more about the alien tricorder. Well, I'm calling mm. it tricorder, but it's like a confined and extract organs. Yeah, <laughs> and they're like, it's way more advanced than our technology. We can only zap someone and stun him. This can zap someone, stun him, and remove his lungs all at once, <laughs> and scan him. And all that. mm. that's, that's a pretty good shotgun. Yeah, it's pretty good technology. <laughs> um, I do love this next scene because I want to talk about something. Mm. My, my Janeway... Not my team. What I believe is Janeway's leadership philosophy, but um, they what happened? The alien ship drops out of warp and enters an asteroid, and so mm-hmm. Tuvok has that great scene where he anticipates Janeway's next move, which is she obviously <laughs> wants to enter the mm. crater, whatever. And he's like, "Captain, may I suggest you carefully consider what you're about to do?" And she's like, "How yes. do you know what I am about to do?" And she's like, like, "How long have we known each other?" Yeah, <laughs> but. He's 100% right because her leadership philosophy is like she will risk everyone to save the few. Like she is always putting, mm. I don't, that is not a criticism. But like if you. That like, is very much like you were criticizing Captain Janeway there. No, I'm just saying I'm that is, is her like approach. It's like this she'll is, risk everyone to save one before person. Before we go any further and you repeat that one more time and you wash that potty mouth out, mouth out uh, <laughs> girlfriend um i'd like to invite you to remember the name of the podcast janeway's children <laughs> uh, no i've got we love janeway oh we love janeway great <laughs> yes. i haven't quite decided yet yeah, you know, i'm though, not I, worthy of being considered someone who has the uh, leadership or you know familial characteristics of janeway so i'm glad but, it's not janeway's children so it sounds perilously like you're criticizing her approach say, to leadership I... and strategic management there no but can i just say one thing that follows on from that is I also feel like what I learned from uh, watching this show, well, not 
But I was like, ah, oh, if you're a Starfleet member and you land up like in any bad situation, you should do the maximum you can to survive or escape because Jane will, will Jane Way will meet you halfway. Mm. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what a great, I think that's a great attitude because then, you know, like whenever anyone's trapped or taken, kidnapped, mm. anything like that, they're like, just immediately, they don't panic remotely. Their immediate thought is, right, what is now? How am I going to get out of this? And they're just mm. assuming they will get out. They're not going to be but like tortured and murdered or anything yeah. like that. Um, and that is because like that. that she always does come, doesn't she? So it's quite nice. And also, I think if they're on a starship where everyone's volunteered, um, mm. then I think she sort of makes that decision bearing yeah. in mind that everyone else on board would probably make that decision as well because they, they've yeah. sort of they've said right I'm going to go and be part mm. of Star um, mm. what's it called? <laughs> Starfleet <laughs> that's the one um, um, and you know they know that it's risking their lives and um, all this kind of thing I guess yeah. it would be different if you were, you were it was a whole planet moving mm. full of lots of different people <laughs> yeah she, she doesn't often get any pushback from anyone i think she does get pushback later on from seven who's just more logical mm. and Janeway is a bit this is not a criticism but she has an emotional connection with people so she will try save them she whereas Janeway's more the like value of the individual to the yeah. whole and mm. seven is from the collective so she's like what's she's a few more dead like, people <laughs> the individual has no value to the whole <laughs> She's kind of like, why, why, why don't you definitely let five people dive? Yeah. Because you you will definitely keep thirty people alive. Whereas mm-hmm. Janeway is more like, let's risk all thirty five, in the possibility that we could save all thirty five. Exactly. I guess. Exactly. Yeah. I, think so. I feel right. like I feel like Seven could get a role quite easily at McKinsey and Company. <laughs> Yes, I'm sure she could. We're not going to be able to send this one out anymore, right? <laughs> McKinsey oh, Company were never on the I, table. I'm not going to get McKinsey's. I think at best, at best we can we'll get, get her young. <laughs> I think that'd be like if Seven applied, we'd hire her like that. She's very smart. <laughs> mm. And she works very hard and she just regenerates a few hours every night. So she's probably like yeah, the ideal. She'd be a real match for HR. <laughs> Employee. Um, uh, so they people change. Say that again. Maybe uh, anyway. Sorry, Let, let's <laughs> let's leave the seven career at McKinsey and Company out. Let's try. Remember that for when she comes in like five series. Is there, which is there, is there which seven consultancy currently? would yeah. she work best for this episode? Given the attitudes voiced. Oh, I just want to say it was not a criticism, but I I love Janeway. I learned a lot from her in terms of like leadership. But I was like, I have to admit, she's willing to risk. As I've said, I'm not going to say it again. Sounds a lot like a criticism. <laughs> but you've also said that already. I'm, and I'm going to squelch it. I'm not having this here. Okay. So they enter that asteroid, and then we go back to the sick bay, and um, there's this little comic scene where... Um, oh, I also like the way the sick bay had been decorated. Like, so the ceiling, <laughs> you know, the drapery and everything, which is really sweet. Someone had made an effort there. I'm assuming Kez, because it wasn't the doctor. Um <laughs> And Neelix has an urgent request. But it request. wasn't Neelix either. <laughs> wow, your humour is dark tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, Neelix has an urgent request. Jamie, is this There's, not time he's liability seven? He has a... Um, it's uh, an urgent request for company, isn't it? Yeah, he's like... Oh, uh, first, it's a, I think it's a ruse to get company because he's like, my eyebrow is itchy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, <laughs> Neelix has an itch. 
Yes, yes. It also see he appears to be inhabiting a Christmas tree, which is weird given the decor that they have there. <laughs> it does look like someone has... The way his tube has been decorated, it oh. looks sorry, isotropic restraint. Um, <laughs> it looks like a, it looks like a Christmas tree. Oh, I don't think I noticed the actual. I just noticed the drapery. Mm. Um, but yeah, he is uh, struggling. I think now. I think he's had time for everything yeah. to like sink in. He gets really, really angry, and he ruins his lung. Yeah, he mm. gets. I mean, what I thought was interesting about this scene is that it was actually his panic and emotion. Yeah. That led to his physical symptom. That mm. I mean, the doctor had to sedate him essentially. Yes. Yeah, he had I wrote a panic down, attack. Doctor in does us all a favour and sedates Neelix. How did we can't put this episode out? Uh, you're making me actually like Neelix more because yeah. I feel bad for him. Reverse psychology. He's much. had a really tough time of it, and I just don't think the two of you are giving him enough credit. So <laughs> I thought if I went for a really, really hard offensive of just attacking him hard, you would give him the sympathy he deserves by being like, "Oh, Jamie's being a real twat to poor old Neelix." <laughs> Jamie is being working? a real twat. <laughs> I know, and it's working, isn't it? You're both feeling far more sympathetic to him. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't think it's the um, theme of the episode, but I just found that scene really interesting because I think mm. there's something about how your thoughts can drive your, you know, mm. your reality or like you can really spiral if you don't mm. take control. I mean, Phoenix is in a bad situation, so, but yeah. um, I thought that was interesting. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of like um, the placebo effect, isn't it? That like what happens yeah. in your brain and your thoughts can in fact affect you physically um it's a mm. bit like you you know digestive issues can um partly be caused by thinking patterns and um mm. you know in the, in the placebo effect you even things like cancers has been shown to be a, a some kind of effect yeah, um true. from a placebo it's like mm. every clinical trial there's a placebo effect that has to be accounted for it's fascinating mm. like yeah thoughts I can, mm. agreed um I did think the doctor's Rob Picardo, is that his name, Robert? Acting in this end of the scene was so good because he's just, mm. he doesn't say, just that you can see the thoughts, well, the thoughts that I thought, uh, uh, you know, flitting across his face, like, mm. oh, have I made a mistake? Uh, am I out of my depth? Is this, mm. pro- like, a procedure going to work? Like, he looks, mm. he seems, like, Casper concerned and out of his depth, like, at that yep. point. I, he's like, this is way on my training. <laughs> I think, like, um, he's, He's got what's the thing you call it like um in in football like man the of the man of the game or was it, was it man, of the match. man of the match. He's the man of the match for this episode. Like he's just oh, brilliant. Okay. Like, he's, we you're indulging in gender profile of this sort, Jen. It's not player of the match. Yeah, I was just gonna say we need like a, a non gender specific one, don't we? Like Yeah, oh, but that's, that doesn't have the alliteration. Of the episode. It's it's gotta have Hologram the alliteration. Uh, human of the something. Well, well, when, you, when, you choose, when you choose a man, you can call it man of the match, and when yeah. you choose a woman, you can call it woman of the match. But we've missed something, guys, because just briefly, in between uh, Neelix being sedated and then the doctor being man of the match, we <laughs> zoom into a hologram of the game, hologram of the episode, you know, big, big field there. Um, don't we just go to start um voyager in the hall of mirrors yeah that is the next thread oh, yeah. you can That's explain what, happened, what that means um yeah that was uh i thought that was pretty clever i mean like unexpected mm. from a story point so, of view 
So for, for our listeners, effectively, we've panned out to Star Trek Voyager and the ship that they're pursuing has basically run into this enormous asteroid inside the asteroid. And what's the asteroid made of, if anyone remembers? Organic Duranium? matter. I, I don't remember. Yeah. But Star, Star Voyager follows it in and apparently the inside of it is so reflective that it feel, it looks to all of their senses as though they're surrounded by hundreds of voyagers and of this ship that they were pursuing. Yeah. And Captain Jamie says, it's like a hall of mirrors. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> um, I also have love her. Um, I just, I like some of her lines in this scene, like mm. in particular the way she delivers the, well, let's not do that then. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, that was good. I mean, let's not just open up in here. So like, can we fire this and two box lock? No, because of this, 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 this. And then she's like, that's Whose idea was it to fire in that situation? I have my suspicions, but I don't want to, you know, throw them around. It sounds like a Neelix plan. He wasn't even there. He's <laughs> in the sick bay. Confined to sick bay. Who was but, it? Yeah. Um, but then we, uh, they don't come up quite with their plan yet because we're back at sick bay. And I, I thought that, I like the fact that the doctors ask us to come back. I suspect mm. before visiting hours mm. uh, restarted because um, he can't handle it. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, him and Kes have that kind of. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. You go. You go. You were going to dive into where I was going to dive. So you go. Uh, you're just coming through very warbly. I don't oh, know. really? Oh, he's fine for me. Oh, that's my connection. Why? Um, I don't I know. I mean, I was whispering for a bit. You've both gone warbly, actually, so it must be me. Oh, dear. Why? I mean, why? <laughs> why? Uh, why? I might just shut teams off. Let's take that away. Let's see if that does anything. Great call. You should always shut teams under all circumstances. <laughs> Bye-bye, teams. Mm. Uh, maybe Excel? Sorry, guys. This is great. Mm. Okay, uh, let's um, see what happens. Um, oh yeah, but this is a nice moment or scene with the kids and with the doctor and kids. Mm. Yeah, he's great in this scene as well. I think he's sort of coming to terms with um, his situation <laughs> of, mm. and being completely feeling completely underqualified, um, mm. and and it's sort of impacting his confidence. Mm. But then she sort of instills in him the, the voyager spirit of, you know, you're capable, you're, you're intelligent, mm-hmm. and you just have to learn on, and yeah. just teach yourself and just get on with it and, and you can do it kind of motivational yeah. chat. And I love the way she sort of mechanises the argument as well because she asked, well, how did all of these other doctors um, build the ability level? And he was like, well, experience. And she was like, and do you have the ability to learn as you experience things? She was like, yes. She's like, well, you'll do the same thing then. And he's trapped in the <laughs> prison of his own logic. He can't get away from the fact that things will be more positive. And I like that. That's mm. how all motivational traps should feel. A trap. I do, I do think it's funny, though, because on the one hand, um, it's a great sort of lesson. And I, you know, I agree with what, uh, what Kess is proposing. But on the other hand, if, if this was a different scenario where you were like in a job in your day to day work life, 
<laughs> it wouldn't be anything to do with your capacity to learn and get better. It would be like, this is a resourcing issue. <laughs> I can't do five people's jobs <laughs> and be paid the same amount. <laughs> I'm so glad everyone has embraced my decision to uh, adopt an HR influence lens to this. <laughs> HR-centric <laughs> approach to yeah. analyzing yeah. Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But he does, I uh, think they do end with his question, which is like, have you ever considered a career in, is he called medicine? I don't actually know, but um, he asked her that. And mm. then I think they're um, interrupted because there's a power drain. Um, are we in engineering? Um, and they have to shut down the warp core. Um, and this is when they come up with a nifty plan to identify the other ship. Ah, oh, yes. Mm. Does anyone else want to explain it? <laughs> no <laughs> I, I, I like the phrase uh, let's use someone says something like use phases like a searchlight so and then we just see lots of like ricocheting beams and then mm. it, like it, final beam lands like on uh, yes because all the others are just mirror reflections and therefore the phaser mm. will just go through them therefore if they fire the phaser everywhere the one that it doesn't go through is the real one mm. Exactly. How was that? That was great. You could have done that all the stuff. Um, uh, so they find the real ship. Real ship. There's two life signs. They beam them aboard, and that's when we see, well, the phage. The phage. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the yeah. I mean, uh, someone. I. I think we won't be able to put this out if I describe them. So someone else should describe them. <laughs> well, they. I think it's like. I mean, I never watched. Um, uh, what's that? Uh, oh my gosh, what is it called? Nightmare on Elm Street or those kinds of films. Mm. But I feel like it was a Star uh, Trek version of. Or like one of the zombie movies. Yeah. Yeah. A, a kind of like melting face. <laughs> I yeah. Know. I mean, it's sort of poking out and things like that. And I'm then, really quite glad that, you know. Sorry, Jay. Do you want to... no, no. But can I ask a really dumb question? Yeah. They beam these individuals on board, right? And they take one look at them. And just and, and then the individuals effectively explain what's happening when Janeway, you know, properly puts the verbal leather in. And I like that. Mm-hmm. And what's going on is effectively they're part of a civilization who's effectively uh, societal wide plague organ failure, go out and nick organs from other species with the zapper that they uh, had found earlier, as it will forever be known, or maybe the shocker. I don't know which of those names I prefer. <laughs> the shocker x-ray. Um, and they've explained all this, and they've got this massive, horrendous plague and everything like that. Does no one take one look at them and think there might be an infection risk here? Uh, no, but that is evaluated when they beamed aboard. So, yeah. Uh, when you transport it across, you have like a health check or a risk check or whatever. So that... Yeah, there's some kind and of filter, isn't there? Yeah, never filter. Ever, ever, ever. And they think, actually, it's fine. It's, do you know what, also, though, it's a good point, because I, I only know about the filter thing from like later episodes. So, so if, yeah. like, re-watching it, I don't know if everyone thought that when they saw this episode the first time. Like, what are you doing? Put them in a, you know, in a chronologically previous episodes of Star Trek, not Voyager, but Star Trek, in which people might be transporting people who have diseases. Reference it because it does come up because Mm. I can't remember now. I'm getting confused because sometimes things still get through. 
Like there's mm. a, a cases where for some reason something passes the filter or. Mm. Um, there's like, yeah, it's a what sort of one-off cases where some there's some mechanism by which it gets through. Yeah. But, but yeah, okay. we do learn about their civilization and kind of their motivation. Mm. So so I Mm, I was going to say, as our medical resident medical expert, do you have any, you want to comment on the science or medical <laughs> nature of this virus? Wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know too much about it at this stage. <laughs> um, but um, I do think the whole organ, uh, I, using organs is um, scary. It's a bit um, like that Haruki Murakami, not Murakami, who wrote The Remains of the Day? Um, oh, um, Japanese guy. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. But he he also wrote Kazuo Ishiguro. Yes. Yeah, um, he wrote this book called um, Never Let Me Go, which mm. was a movie. It was basically that the premise was that um, they discovered ways of prolonging human life by effectively um, putting organs of folk in other folk. So they mm. effectively raised about. 20-30% of society in these weird sort of British prep school style boarding schools <laughs> whose entire reason was to have their organs harvested throughout mm. the course of their life to prolong that of the rest of society. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's one of the yeah, most horrible movies. Yeah. I've never seen the movie. I, I did read the book and it, yeah, it's really so horrible. Very good book. It's yeah, really mm. um, dark, isn't it? <laughs> it's really mm. got this He's an amazing writer because it gives this mm. horrible, horrible, bleak feeling throughout the book. You know, it's yeah, I know, anyway. and it comes across because in the movie as well, because there's a sense of there's something truly, truly dreadful around the corner. Um, and that's a difficult thing to sort of generate, but this, mm. this isn't quite as bleak as that because Jane was like, Any of you who try and come for any of my crewmates, yeah, she's a the hammer's coming. Uh, yeah, I, I really enjoy the speech, actually, mm. a little monologue in there, because especially, like, it gives me chills a little bit when she says there's one line that's um, something along the lines of, um, mm. in our society, taking a life to save another life is never okay. Um, and mm. I, just, I don't have... I wrote yeah. it down. So I was like, I don't have the freedom to kill you to save another, I think. Is mm. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I just... I don't know why it gives me chills. I think in a positive way. <laughs> yeah, the patient. But she, and she's also kind of um, she does ask for the lungs back, and we find out they can't return mm. them because they're already in. Oh, so the two aliens are well, the two Vidians are Dareth and Matura or something. Oh, I found out the names. Mm. Um, oh, sorry, are... yeah, we skipped ahead. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just saying I did bother finding out the names, so I'm going to share them because I can never. I have to look them up because I can't like hear them. <laughs> um, uh, but. Um, yeah, her speech there is really good and also powerful. But in the end, she's like she realizes she can't really execute them because she can't. Well, that's against uh, human principles. She can't like punish them because they're not in a position to take them to authorities mm -hmm. or whatever. So she's like, I have to let you go. I don't really have anything else I can do. But she kind of gives them a, as you said earlier, Jamie, like a very strong warning. Mm. Um. And then the one guy, the one alien, I guess, out of gratefulness is like, well, maybe we can help, actually, because our medical sciences are much more advanced than yours. Mm. Um, so we go back to the sick bay, and I did laugh because straight away, the, one of the Vidians manages to insult the doctor. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he, like, I love his the, reaction. He's like, you, you could put her, her organs in him. He's like, we can't. It'll be rejected. He's like, that's very primitive of you. <laughs> I think Should, he's insulting. Would you just deactivate his immune response to it? I think he's insulting the holographic um, lungs as well. <laughs> it's like, yeah, primitive. It's but, um, I just think the doctor's brilliant acting in this episode. Like, he's, I mean, all he does in response is a sort of you know glance and you know looking um, fed up, but it's just so well done. It's. Yeah, the timing and yeah. it's hilarious. And even when the guy scans him, and he's like, "Oh, according to my thing, you're not here." And he's like, "I wish I wasn't, or something." Like yeah. that. Yeah. I'd rather not be. Or... Yeah. Um, and I love the way they look. This is very strange. There's someone who appears to be here, but not here. Yeah, it's uncouture yeah. about you know the one one of the creatures who has the disease is it seems to be okay, but one of them is so uncouture and sucky up. It's horrendous. Mm. And he's the one who scans him and goes, you appear not to be here. Oh, yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's the bit... worst. <laughs> I do kind of love the whole like concept that, and this happens a lot in Star Trek, actually, when they meet a species that has undergone um, a lot of hardship and a particular type mm. of hardship, the result is that um, they've actually um, made leaps and bounds um, mm. in that particular area. So in this case, because they've had this awful phage, they're way ahead in medical terms compared to other species. And, you know, like mm. in other, they meet others who are like, they've had to suffer through many years of warfare, and mm. um, but it means they can defend themselves really well. And mm. like I quite like that idea that it sort of makes you think, oh, no matter what terrible things happen in life. Um, I mean, obviously they, they are terrible, but maybe mm-hmm. you know it's a bit like when you watch the cheesy movies armageddon and things mm-hmm. and there's that speech from the, the actor who plays the american president in it and at the end and he's saying we're able to save the planet due to you know mm. all of even everything all the progress we've made over the years mm. including even the wars that we fought have led to this technology um it's a nice idea to think that all this sort of pain and suffering um you know contributes to something positive somewhere along the line historically mm-hmm. yeah i really like that and also i think it um i mean it, it makes kind of sense so it's like you're not like oh why do they have these great skills it's like oh these are hard fought hard won skills that they had mm. to develop so like in terms of like a character i mean i know it's like a whole race of aliens but there's like it makes them more believable in a sense mm. Mm. yeah they're not just arbitrarily good at something yeah. <laughs> For no reason. <laughs> Magically. Um, <laughs> and this is why I could get into discussions about the more recent series of Star Trek, but I won't. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, I did watch some. <laughs> so <laughs> much anger. It's like some happy, magical... Anyway, I just don't get this. I mean, started. first of all, I just want to say one thing. <laughs> uh, I've never... Why would... Okay, he isn't really, um, to be fair... He wasn't really. St- I can't even remember. But that guy smoking a cigar in the, his captain's seat. Um, I'm talking about the Picard series. I don't know which one you watched. Oh, um, I, I no. I was talking about the. Um, I love the idea of someone smoking a cigar in this. It's not very Starfleet. What's the one with the? Um, yeah, the well, main... neither is Belana Torres, and we both said <laughs> that she did an amazing. She's a genius job engineer. Yeah, but Belana Torres is not constantly having emotional breakdowns and crying like every other day, which is what happens in the, the, the one which I can't remember. What are you watching? Um, I need to know. Jamie, what is the one you know? What I ranted a lot to Nicola about when we had brunch that time. <laughs> I think I. I oh, discovery. I need... 
Oh, uh, okay. Oh, I Nini, think Nini, I started watching Give me 30 that. seconds because you read about it so much, I actually bought it on iTunes. Uh, so I was just going <laughs> to, and then I watched a couple of episodes and it was utter shite. So I'm going to find out the title from my series. It was um, very, okay. uh, to me, it didn't have any of the core things yeah. which make Star Trek mm. Star Trek, which was, um, you know, very disappointing. It was kind of fun to watch, though, if you're not expecting Star Trek. (laughs) Okay. I think I did start watching Discovery, but I don't have strong memories. Mm. I need to probably watch more. Maybe I only watched one. But uh, I'm kind of going to watch Picard Season 3, I think, because they're bringing back all these characters from Wolf and the Doctor, Beverly Crusher. And um, so that I might might get better, (laughs) I'm hoping. But it's like it's not not very – I mean, Seven – isn't it? And I love Seven, but it's like you. It's not. It's not Star Trek. It's like mm. a, lot, a lot of it is set in like on Earth now. It's like it's why? Discovery. Like, it yeah. is discovery. Sorry, it's not, it. it's yes. not what you're looking for. Yeah. Mm. Um, like, yeah. I I watched the first season of Picard, um, and I yeah I know what you mean. It's sort of. I think you could probably enjoy both of them as a if you're not really expecting mm. traditional Star Trek. Um, it's not that they're bad. It's just. Um, yeah, you you got to set expectations. <laughs> I don't like no, discovery because it's uh, very everyone's very emotional and there's lots of oh. things that you're like. This is just it's a bit like a drama fest, you know. It's all very they're all very melodramatic all the time, and I, it just makes me think. Well, they wouldn't seriously be um, psych. <laughs> they wouldn't be checked off on their psych evaluation to join staff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to be completely honest, like they're having a cry every every other five seconds so. yeah i mean maybe i need to try again but yes i uh, this this is a rant for another podcast i mean we should put really this on, you know? <laughs> no, no, no. We, i was very keen to get into it because... material here that we could bring to other podcasts usefully so this is good this is yeah, good. I, mean, I, don't want, I don't want to be negative but it's like they found <laughs> somehow they found writers that know nothing about star trek that's my main problem <laughs> and some pretty bad actors i've got to say um, yeah, I think this is all coming from a place of love. Of just it's because we love Voyager and, not, and the other ones so much that. Um, <laughs> also, to be fair, hmm. I have very high standards for any TV that I watch. So um, I could say this about a lot of shows that I that lots of people love, and I don't. So yeah, but <laughs> back to this episode to wrap up was actually gone quite quickly. We might finish on time, hmm. but I, I do like the little scene with Janeway and Neelix before he goes. I guess under for his operation. Mm. It's quite a sweet, tender scene um, when she's like, "I look forward to sampling your cooking." As mm. I guess he's mm. forgiven for, for taking over a private dining room, um, <laughs> and the transplant's obviously successful. And yeah. did, although I, we skipped, I tell you what, because we we're on time, we skipped one little bit, which yeah. I was like, "This is quite hilarious, actually." Mm. Um, in true Star Trek fashion, like. Um, they ask, would anyone be willing to donate a lung? Oh, yes. And is like, yes. And Alex is like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> I just love the way she's like, she literally says one sentence and he's like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the level of convincing. <laughs> also, I'm like, moved by rational argument in Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, she does. Well, she had already volunteered before and, um, well, not that he knew, I guess, but mm. um, also what I thought was kind of funny was like, he was basically fair enough, but he was basically saying, "I don't care if someone else dies. Like, donating a lung to me. <laughs> like, um, but, Death to anyone who has lungs apart from me." But uh, yeah, um, 
You're right, we did skip over that. So she does land up giving her lung. <laughs> uh, and then we um, see her and Neelix kind of in recovery in this insect bay. And she mm. wakes up first and is talking to the doctor. And he tells her that Janeway has approved her training to become a medical assistant. Yeah. Which, um, that's pretty cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. although I did think that maybe she might be a better fit for a sort of Diana Troy-style counsellor figure. Oh, but I guess mm. maybe they couldn't do that coming right after. Yeah, I don't know. Like, maybe it'd be like it's too similar to the previous series. Um, or... You don't mess with the colonel's recipe. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, but she is, she is a, I mean, and when I was thinking about it, oh, she is like the perfect match for the Doctor. Because in this episode, he's still so cold. No, I mean, at one point I was like, oh, it's so cold. But I forgot he's still like very much just actually a program. Mm. Uh, and has no bedside manner whatsoever. <laughs> mm. And he needs someone he can learn from. I think that's uh, very like in tune with people and uh, mm. Mm. others. So I think they'll make a good, they complement each other well, I guess. Mm. Yeah. I, what I love as well is um, that he initially, you, you would maybe think, but he's specifically designed to, to be a doctor. And, and one of the most important things is the bedside manner. So it seems very unlikely that they would, de, you know, de, uh, design no, something. I, but no, this is the thing. In later episodes, they explain, they explain <laughs> why that is. And, and also, you've happened to find out, I won't give it away, but what actually happened to his program back on earth um, <laughs> as a result of um this lack of bedside manner so um it is all explained later on which i just think is brilliant by way yeah, that is clever <laughs> that is really clever um jenny any major themes or lessons i guess that you yeah oh gosh i um nothing like massively sprang to mind this one to be completely honest i just kind of sat back and enjoyed it and let mm. it wash over me i don't know it's probably not because it's lacking in themes um mm. <laughs> just happened to be one of those episodes um but i i guess the whole concept of mm. um organ donation and taking a life to save another life is mm. well there was that whole um i can't remember when it happened but there was that period where they were using they were trying to transport pigs heart mm. into to save a kid's life um mm. And there was a whole discussion about ethics of that, um, which, um, you know, was kind of topical at that time. I'm not sure yeah. when that was. Um, and a um, bit of an odd one, considering a lot of humans kill animals just to eat them. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, so if you're going to, you know, do that, then surely you're going to. So, I mean, <laughs> if, if, weird, yeah, yeah, so it's interesting. But I don't know, maybe that's what they were sort of trying to bring in. I'm not sure when that first... Probably had a lot to do with organ uh, donation and transplant because, I mean, now I think of it as like so routine. But, I mean, that's also because we live in the UK and Europe where you're an organ donor by... It's like opt-out, right? right? Yeah, Mm. you have to Whereas, like, I mean, the States, I think, is still opt-in. I mean, that is, personally, this could be a controversial topic. Sorry, Mm. zero listeners. But I think that's insane. (laughs) <laughs> yeah kind like, of is isn't it uh, the number of lives you could save i mean i watched um chicago is it called like chicago med or something Ooh. uh which or is only four, no, not not house but um which is a, a drama medical drama which i love but they're always like fighting for organs or hunting and obviously you know it's um, not like they're running feral it, on the streets no of chicago. i know Maybe but it's like they have yeah. like big uh, well and it's a tv so that's like big deceive 
like cajole people who have the organ, like or have family members who have the organs. Mm. It seems like it should be opt out. That's yeah. And there's whole like um, ethical things around. Um, there was a movie a while back. Um, I can't remember if it was based on a true story, but it was where um, parents. The scenario was the parents had a child, but oh, yeah. it, it, it had a mm. condition that was going to kill it at like age 20 or something. And so they actually gave birth to another child yes. um, in order for that, that child to donate um, because they'd yeah. be likely well, to be a genetic match. Um, but then what if that child says, I don't want to donate? And yeah. that's a bit of an ethical conundrum. Um, and yeah, then um, there was there was also the whole thing conundrum. about stem cell use. Um, because obviously they have this, um, I mean, I think they are doing it now, but I, I'm not sure, it's not sort of in, it's in. That was in, a huge in, religious question. Yeah, I'm not sure what stage it's at these days, but basically they, they're growing organs from stem cells. Um, so there's no no need to harvest any organs from anyone. Um, but of course, there's all kinds of like um, ethical mm. considerations because people consider, some people consider stem cells life and, you know, um, yeah. there's the whole religious aspect that comes into it and, that's mm. complicated. <laughs> yeah, I think that back to that sibling one, um, was that the book by Jody Pick? I don't know how to say her surname, like Jody Pico, Pica, Pica, Pico. Never mind. Like, my mm. sister. That was, I think I read that. That was pretty. I mean, that was a fictional story, but then there's like a whole twist because, yeah, the other sibling is like, actually, I don't want to be doing this anymore. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I think mm. that's. Um, I feel empathy, but. It's your job to look out for all your kids, not just one of your kids. Yeah. In my opinion. Maybe some other poor kid grew up with, you know, the moral imperative to give away its organs when it might want to. It's just morally wrong. Mm. Mm. And it's kind of a similar question in that thing. Because um, in one way, that alien, those lungs are Neelix's. They belong to Neelix. Um, But... Mm. But in the other way, which is the way I agree with <laughs> what Jane was saying, stands true that yeah, it's it would just be taking a life t- to save another life. Um, mm. You know, it would be different if they'd just taken the lungs and they hadn't actually transported them into the other um, being. But mm. unfortunately, they have. So <laughs> yeah, um, but I do think it's quite a sort of impressive stance yeah. for her to take. To, to it's quite quite brave to mm. to be saying to them. I won't. I won't take them back. I'm letting you go. Um, you know, it's her crew member who's going to die as a result of that. Mm. Um, and these these beings have taken what you know what was his and keeping him alive. Uh, but she'd mm-hmm. still let them go because it's the ethical thing to do. It's quite. And she's clearly furious impressive. about it. Yeah. Yeah, she takes the high road, but it does also in a way pay off. You know, like because then mm-hmm. that's when they well, I mean, she and obviously they, can't anticipate that. But it's to... it's odd though because there's a there's a difference in moral stances between the two creatures who have the disease. One of them is, I mean, the unctuous one is just like you've got no right to feel anything about this. The other one is obviously we massively massively regret this, and I think that contrition probably colours Janeway's reaction. Yeah, so I think also, I mean that just sparked a thought. Is you know some people are so wrapped up in their Mm. Uh, experience that they cannot see another perspective. I think the one, the um, Dareth, mm. he is like that. He's just like, you should feel sorry for me. Like, I don't mm. have to worry about you. Like, whereas the other one can see beyond 
uh, Maduro or whatever, beyond mm. his own experience and feel empathy for um, yeah. someone else. So. It's, I found that one that a bit weird. That one, you know, when he was saying uh, to his to his mate, "You don't have to explain yourself. Don't feel you need to explain yourself to yeah. Jamie." And I was a bit like, "That's an interesting stance to take." I was like, "I wonder why he's saying that." Um, Maybe they're saying, "Look, it's so personal to our species and our circumstance that others couldn't understand, but they would do mm. exactly the same were things reversed. So don't even bother." Sorry. Yeah, yeah, that's probably it, isn't it? You'd, they'd never understand. Um, and yet Janeway mm. does understand, and that's why she has mm. the... But my lesson was always obey orders. Oh, <laughs> 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 um, something bad might happen. Yeah. <laughs> it's all Neelix's fault. <laughs> obey the rules. <laughs> that's definitely yeah. the lesson I would have taken when I was watching as a kid. I'd be like, must be the rules, otherwise bad things happen. Yeah. Uh, I'm Regul- sure it's not, not intentional. Regulations are there for a reason. They're there yeah. to keep you safe. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. There's a great um this Jamie, is a very big British Oh he was talking, but we can't hear. Please continue. <laughs> I, I was gonna say there's I'm a great I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a great Brit sort of very British take on this that's um uh, although I might be, oh dear, I might be confusing it with Star Wars now. Uh, but basically, the whole um, Brexit, <laughs> the Brexit thing. <laughs> there was a great meme doing the rounds that was sort of trying to explain in in Star Trek or Star Star ah. War terms how half the UK saw it and the other half saw it. And so there was um, this is what Remainers see when they see the European Union, and it was basically Starfleet. <laughs> they were like, this is what. Um, Brexiteers see when they see the European Union um, and it was um, Death Star? Yeah, it was like the Death Star was the, the, <laughs> What's the name of the, the Darth Vader uh, The Empire man, the, the Empire, yeah like the, basically and I was like, oh. That is really a good way of putting it because we are, we think we're all looking at the same thing and actually everyone has yeah, I, I that's quite helpful, actually. Yeah. I was like, oh, so I think I get it now. Well, I mean, I'm not going to change my mind on it, yeah. but I think I can start to understand how they're viewing yeah. uh, the EU in a certain way. But um, mm. I think that is a really clever meme. Um, and Jenny, you award man of the match to you. <laughs> you be mean about Linux. You can't be mean about anyone else now. Um, man of the match to the doctor. Absolutely, that's my choice. Yeah. What, what are your man's matches? I oh, know. I agree. Same for you. Well, what about no. Jay? My uh, hologram of the uh, of the episode. <laughs> but there's only one hologram. <laughs> I know. I, I don't understand why you guys keep giving that out like it's a massive title. But I, I think um, his job performance assessment forms would reflect the fact he was most value adding exec member of the episode yes <laughs> back to okay. hr i so think it's all, important all we maintain agreement. a veneer of professionalism in this starfleet crew <laughs> I, I i um i like this can we do this every every episode like yes we have I've, I've made a, i've made a note but please remind Hi, me because... highest performing crew member <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah any Absolutely. any um, 
constructive feedback to give to any crew members, uh, such as, um, I don't know, Tom Paris, personal space respect training, um, Neelix, <laughs> just, just how not to behave when you're in a hostile environment. <laughs> um, Captain Janeway, how to be intimidating with, you know, some degree of moral integrity. Yeah, I think, um, I think the doctor does deserve it, but I'm sure the trophy will rotate. Maybe, oh, maybe we should call it Star Player. Oh, Star Player. Most valued player. Oh, I love it, actually, because you know what? It's kind of like got the player thing as if it's like a Shakespearean theatre. Oh, I thought you meant like, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, well, it has all these double meanings. It's great. Yes, so MVP. are we sticking with Star Player? MVP. MVP uh, or, or, or I like MVP Star because Star Trek Star Player. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God! So this is a yeah. great choice. I didn't even see that red. <laughs> <laughs> so many reasons. Yeah. Okay. Let's do that. Okay. <laughs> um. Mm. Great. I'm gonna hit stop recording and then we can uh, plan the next one, which mm. will be. Agreed. Oh, I heard them say it on the podcast, but I've already forgotten. Sorry.